Good morning, everyone. Before I provide my update, I would like to address a response to a question posed when I appeared before you earlier in the week. In no way did I mean to suggest that we were not treating this serious outbreak with urgency. As my comments clearly reflected, the response to this outbreak by our clinical and our public health teams was done with great urgency, with professionalism, and with immediacy. I extend my appreciation once again to all those directly involved in this incredible response to this very significant and distressing public health emergency. This has been an extremely anxious and difficult time for many people, particularly young children and their parents. As a father, I understand the fear, anger, and deep concern that they are feeling. If my comments did not adequately convey that, I apologize. Please let me be clear. The response to this outbreak has been swift right from the start. From our public health inspectors, to our medical officers of health, to our wonderful physicians, nurses, and lab staff, everyone has worked tirelessly to look after and protect patients and families and to get to the bottom of what happened here. As a physician, I can tell you that there's nothing more difficult than seeing sick kids. You want to do everything that you possibly can to look after them and help them get well. My focus and the focus of everyone involved in this situation is to help these kids get better and to ensure that no other child goes through what they are going through. This is my commitment to all of you. This situation remains very serious. However, we're somewhat heartened by the fact that it appears that the number of patients in hospital has stabilized over the last couple of days. As of today, a total of 337 lab-confirmed cases have been reported in connection with this E. coli outbreak. There are currently 12 patients receiving care in hospital. This is encouraging as it's a decrease of eight compared with two days ago. Lastly, 10 patients have hemolytic uremic syndrome and six are receiving dialysis at Alberta Children's Hospital. We have also confirmed that there are 26 secondary transmission cases of this E. coli bacteria. This occurs when someone has contact with one of the patients directly linked to the outbreak. All are within households already linked to this outbreak. This relatively small number of secondary transmissions highlights the fact that the quick response to this outbreak and communication with families has helped to limit the spread. I do want to provide an update on one additional positive case of a child from Calgary who does not attend one of the implicated daycares. I became aware of this positive test result just last night. However, symptoms had begun in this child over the long weekend in September. Our staff are investigating a possible link to this outbreak, but there's no confirmation that it is directly linked at this point. Now, out of an abundance of caution, the affected area of the daycare that this child attends is being temporarily closed. 
I provide this information this morning just to give the clearest possible picture of this situation. It's also a reminder that it is sadly routine for us to see small numbers of E. coli cases each week, even in children. And it also highlights just how complex the investigation into this outbreak can be, as each case needs to be thorough, thoroughly followed up with linkages determined. It's important for children, or sorry, excuse me, it's important for parents to monitor their child for symptoms. If your child is sick, please keep them home. As parents, you know when they need to be seen by a healthcare professional. If you do not have a young child yourself, please remind your friends and your family who do. It is far better to be safe than sorry, and the actions that we take in these situations can make a huge difference. To parents dealing with sick children, I know how unsettling it can be to hear these statistics, knowing the potential impact on your child's health and well-being. I want to reassure you that we are on top of this and we are monitoring it very carefully. We anticipate that lab-confirmed cases of E. coli will continue to increase as test results come back, but we are cautiously hopeful that we won't see significantly more children with severe illness. I acknowledge, though, that this is of little relief to the parents of those children who remain in hospital. But it may suggest that while we're not completely out of the woods yet, we are beginning to see the health impacts of this outbreak start to wane just a bit. As some of you will be aware, the closure orders issued for all 11 daycare centers linked to this outbreak have now been rescinded following re-inspections by public health officers. These daycares have addressed the risks and they've met all the requirements under the Public Health Act related to sanitization and safe operations of their facilities. This includes, but isn't limited to, having supplies of all approved sanitization products in place, guidance for hand washing and sanitization available to all daycare staff, and guidance for food handling and service at each facility. In addition, children and staff from facilities with confirmed cases must meet certain requirements, including providing negative stool samples before they can return to a daycare. AHS has sent letters to all parents outlining these requirements and to provide advice and support. These requirements are designed to prevent further transmission, effectively preventing this bacteria from spreading. It's now up to the operators to decide if they are able and if they wish to reopen. Of course, the central kitchen that provided food to these 11 daycares remains indefinitely closed. I acknowledge that there is some concern that this kitchen was able to continue to operate despite public health inspectors identifying a number of violations, both critical and non-critical, at recent inspections. I understand that concern, but I can assure you that there were no delays or gaps in inspecting this facility. Every food handling facility in the province is inspected at least once a year. That is the standard and the requirement under legislation. 
In the case of this facility, it was inspected five times in 2023, directly related to the fact that violations had previously been identified. There were concerns about this facility, and our public health inspectors more than doubled their visits. The last routine inspection of the kitchen happened in late April 2023. Two infractions were found at that time, and they were corrected by the end of the day by the operator. As of the end of April 2023, there were no violations outstanding in this kitchen. However, three critical violations were identified during the inspection on September the 5th. These critical violations were different than the violations that had been identified and previously remediated in April. It's important to note that under the Public Health Act, AHS does not have the ability to permanently close a food handling facility unless critical violations continue to exist. I certainly acknowledge that this is all cold comfort to the parents of children who fell ill. I am not trying to make excuses for this operator in any way, but the inspectors did their job under the Public Health Act. Finally, I do want to provide a quick update on the investigation into the cause of this outbreak. It is frustrating that we don't yet have a definitive answer on what made all of these children sick. But as I've mentioned before, this is an extremely complex investigation. And identifying the exact source and how things unfolded is like trying to find a needle amongst a field of haystacks. We know that the source is highly likely to have come from the central kitchen. In total, 45 food items from the kitchen and daycares have been collected to date, and we have received 19 results back from the lab. None have tested positive for E. coli. Additional results for the samples that are remaining are expected within the next few days. Our investigators continue to talk to patients, staff, and family members about what they ate and a detailed analysis of the epidemiologic data is also providing us with further clues. We all want answers. And through a methodical, coordinated, and systematic approach, we hope that we'll be able to provide them just as soon as possible. To that end, this investigation continues. I wish to sum up by again expressing my thoughts and concerns to everyone impacted by this outbreak. My commitment to you is that we will continue to do everything within our power to help you or your loved ones recover and get better and to do all that we can to ensure that this does not happen again. Thank you. And with that, I'd like to invite Premier Smith to the podium. Thank you, Dr. Joffe. Good morning, everyone. I would like to thank Minister of Health, Adriana LaGrange, Minister of Children and Family Services, Cyril Turton, Dr. Mark Joffe, Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Franco Rizzuti, Medical, Medical Officer of Health in the Calgary Zone, and Dr. Tanya Principe, who is the Section Chief for Pediatric Emergency Medicine at Alberta Children's Hospital for joining me here today. I want to provide an update on the E. coli outbreak that has hurt so many kids. What's believed to have happened was a violation of food safety standards in a shared kitchen 
and undoubtedly a violation of parents' faith in the system. When people entrust their child to someone else, they expect their child will receive the best possible care. Families are watching in anguish, watching their children suffer from a preventable cause. They're enduring extreme stress, afraid of what the outcome will be and how this will affect their child's health. It's unimaginable pain, and I'm heartbroken by what these family families are going through. <clears throat> Right now, the most important comfort I can offer is the promise that each sick child is getting the best possible care. And I would just like to thank all of the medical professionals who have been doing everything they can to treat and to heal and to comfort these children and their families. I know that each affected family and all Albertans want to know what the root cause of the outbreak is. And so do we. At this time, the investigation, as you heard, is continuing. And I know that you will want more specific information and answers. But we must let the investigation continue methodically and safely. I assure you, we will get to the bottom of this. We will identify the cause. And we will put in place the necessary measures to ensure this does not happen again. I want to be clear, the kitchen, believed to be responsible, is closed indefinitely, as Dr. Jaffe has said, and we will have more to say on this subject once the investigation is complete and we've reviewed the findings. And while the situation develops, I would like to explain how our government is supporting the families harmed by this horrific experience. Families are having a tough time with a lot of disruptions. Some have spent days and nights watching their children in pain in the hospital or sick at home. And we understand that this has put families under a lot of stress and a lot of financial stress. We want to help ease as much of that stress as we can. And that includes the financial strain this has caused due to parents being away from work and caring for their kids. To support all families and children affected by the outbreak in these child care facilities, families will receive a one-time compassionate payment of $2,000 Per child. Our goal is to get the money to the parents as quickly as we can. We will be sending information on how to apply for assistance shortly. And while Alberta's government is providing this financial support, we expect that these child care facilities recognize the hardship that has been caused and reimburse families the fees for the days that children have been spent out of care. This incident obviously sparks worries about the well-being of kids in child care programs. It's our top priority. Ensuring uniformly high standards across the whole system is essential. Alberta's government will keep working closely with the programs hit by the outbreak as they reopen and return to full capacity. And we're working with other child care operators to identify spaces in other centres for those families who want new, new placements for their children. Currently, all signs are pointing to this shared kitchen. I know parents want answers, and so do I. That's why we're conducting a review of all shared kitchens that serve childcare centers. We will explore regulations and make changes if needed. We will, as I said, if changes are needed to be made, we will make them. 
We are always ready to step in and we will always respond to concerns. Families are not alone on this or any other issue. I am so grateful to everyone involved in uncovering the truth and fixing the damage done to so many kids. This goes for the experts carrying out the investigation, the parents and the incredible medical staff and the daycare workers who are now helping children at the affected centres get back into their routines. The love and care of all Albertans comes through very strong in the most difficult circumstances, and that's what we're seeing now. That's how we'll get through this. Thank you, and we'd be happy to take questions. As I mentioned, we do have officials from the Children's Hospital able and on hand to answer any medical questions. Thanks for being here today. Uh, Sarah Often with Global News. We, we hear your your emotion and your, your sympathy for the parents that are affected, but at the same time, this is the first time that they've heard from you, and we've heard from parents that that has been very difficult from them, that they have wanted this from you, and they have wanted it sooner than two weeks into this. How do you respond to that? Well, I do have to take the advice of my health minister, And in these cases, a couple of things come to mind. Number one is we know because of what we've gone through with the previous health emergency that politicians cannot be directing these investigations. Politicians cannot be interfering in health orders. If politicians interfere in health orders, they can be rendered illegal. So we have to make sure that we're deferring to the medical officer of health and allowing him the latitude to inspect and make the decisions he needs to on closures and and in guiding the uh, process for when reopening can occur. Um, The other part of the factor was we we didn't have answers in the first week. I mean, I think we would have uh, liked to have come out earlier understanding if we'd been able to get to the bottom of this. But as you've heard, we've now had 45 different food samples taken and we still don't know precisely what the uh, what the cause is. Um, I mean, I heard loud and clear that people did want to hear from our government. Absolutely. That's why we've done two press conferences this week. And uh, we'll, we'll be mindful of that. But I, I think that the way this unfolded, the priority for everyone was making sure that they could get the care for the kids. The, uh, the, 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 the number of people who have been impacted by this, the, the frontline uh, hospital work that needed to be done, the specialized center to be able to make sure kids could be uh, tested and because they need to be retested and, and test negative twice before they can return. That was the priority, and I think that was the right priority. I, I support the, the Chief Medical Officer of Health in, in, in getting into the investigation right away. I support the uh, frontline workers and the, the doctor that you see here today and all of the great work that they did. And I, I think people wanted to make sure that, that, was, that we put first things first. The first things first was, was good care for the kids. When we talk about, um, you know, waiting for those answers, we've heard um, from um, health officials that, that, again, we're waiting to hear more from that investigation before any changes are made. But we've also heard that sourcing these kind of E. coli outbreaks can be incredibly difficult mm-hmm. and finding an answer is often very rare. So I guess, um, you know, what what needs to happen and and... And is it possible that we look at making changes before, um, you know, a, a source is found, considering the fact that there may not be a, a source that's found? Does this indicate gaps in our food safety system that we should be thinking about and thinking about now? Whether we're able to definitively discover what exact food product caused this outbreak, I think that you've heard Dr. Joffe say 
that it is very highly likely that it was this central kitchen. So with that being the case, we, we have to bring new regulations and new standards around all central kitchens that serve child care centers. So we've started that investigation already. We've started that review. And I'll be looking to my Minister of Children and Family Services, Cyril Turton, to bring forward any suggested changes that we have. But we want to act swiftly on that. We want to make sure that parents understand who are in this similar situation, that the, that the inspections are taking place, that the standards are extraordinarily high and that there is zero tolerance for any kind of, of, of poor food handling practices that can lead to this. And Jonathan, just one second before you get going, I just want to indicate we'll be taking one question, one follow-up from each outlet. If we have time, we'll try to get to the phones as well. Uh, we have Drs. Rizzuti and Dr. Principe here available for questions as well. Uh, here in person, you can take your time to line up at the mic now and we'll go to you next at the mic. You mentioned that the shared kitchen has been closed indefinitely, so, uh, indefinitely uh, because of the outbreak. What is the probability that it will reopen eventually? Um, I would say indefinitely means indefinitely. There's no answer to that yet until we get to the bottom of the investigation. Okay. And another thing is this outbreak has been taking place for a little over a week now. Why did you wait so long to address the media about this? As I uh, answered in the previous question, we, we needed to have answers. This is a uh, under our Public Health Act, when a closure order is put forward under Section 29, it is the Chief Medical Officer of Health who directs the investigation. And he was directing the investigation, keeping us up to speed on what was happening. Unfortunately, we just didn't have answers. We still don't have all the answers that we need. And at the same time, Alberta Health Services had hopped into action and was making sure that they were taking care of the kids. Um, I think that's the priority, the medical uh, attention to the kids and the investigation. Um, hearing from politicians is, is not normally the first priority in these kinds of situations. I think we all know that uh, the first priority has to be kids' safety. We believe that now that we've got some things to announce, that we're going to be addressing some of the, the stresses that the families are facing, this is the time for us to, to be able to start addressing some of the policy issues. Thank you. Jillian Code with City News. I'm just wondering about the 26 secondary transmission cases. Do we have an age range on those? How many are children? And if any are receiving uh, treatment in hospital as well? So there are 26 secondary transmissions that typically occurs within a family setting. It could be to a sibling, could be to a parent, could be to a grandparent. Uh, I don't have the information in front of me about whether any of those individuals required hospitalization. But do you have any information on if, you know, there are also children or parents are also getting infected with this? There are some children who are impacted. There are some parents. And I believe there was at least one grandparent on the list as well. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. Uh, my, que my question concerns uh, the kitchen, CBC, French service. It's Boisvert. Uh, what does it take to close a kitchen? This kitchen, as you told us, was repeatedly uh, been found to be an infraction, and there was problem after problem. Why wasn't not it closed before? My, you know, my initial thought hearing Dr. Joffe is that this is a, a deficiency in our Public Health Act. It's a deficiency in the statute. If um, he doesn't have the authority to close a kitchen and keep it closed. I certainly don't have the authority to close it and keep it closed. Someone should have that authority. And so that'll be one of the things that uh, we, we have to look at if there is a need for statutory change is what is the bar that a 
a number of violations has to pass before a kitchen cannot be recertified. It sounds to me like there's a, a bit of a hole in the in the statutes, and that's one of the things we'll have to have a look at. So when do you think you will be able, your government will be able to um, find a solution to that? Well, look, I mean, I... I understand the um, the desire to get quick statutory change, but I would say that we're not through the crisis yet, and we need to get through the crisis. We need to make sure that the number of positive cases stops rising. We need to ensure that the number of people who have tested positive test negative twice so that they can get back on with uh, returning to the routine of their of their lives. We need to make sure that all of those kids who are in hospital on dialysis are stabilized and hopefully fully recovered and back home. And in parallel, um, Minister Turton is going to be doing the investigation about what is happening in other kitchens, identifying the deficiencies in law. If we have the ability to bring forward legislation in the fall, remember our fall session starting pretty quickly here, um, that, then we will. If it has to wait until the spring, then we'll do it in the spring. But we, we, would, we, we would be looking at some urgency and being able to fill any gaps. Thank you. Rick Bell, Calgary Sun. Um, just want to get back. I know the questions have been asked twice, but uh, you're saying you wanted to wait until there was more information, et cetera. I don't think people were, were wanting you to come forward with the information. There are professionals here who can give us the information. Mm -hmm. I think they were looking for some level of comfort. This, yeah. They were looking for a political response, commensurate, an immediate political response, I believe, commensurate with the terrific immediate response from the healthcare professionals. They got it from the healthcare professionals. They did not get it politically. So I'm going to ask the question in that context, which is, I understand you didn't have all the information. I understand you didn't know about all the cases. But why were you not here, front and center, to offer some solace at that time when things, when the headlines hit on this uh, tragedy, really? It's a fair criticism. I've um, I've heard it, and I'll accept that for, for next time. Uh, Minister LaGrange has heard that criticism. She'll accept it for next time. Minister Churton has heard that criticism, and will accept that for next time. Uh, I think that I've also experienced uh, watched a, a lot of instances where politicians show up at disaster scenes and people are yelling at them saying, we don't want you here, we want the emergency workers focused on helping us. So, look, um, I suppose if we had come out uh, early, we might have people saying, why are you interfering with the investigation? Uh, we felt, um, and I, you can look back with, a, with, a, with 2020 hindsight and say, I, we understand that people expected uh, more of a response from our government earlier, and we'll do better next time. But I think that the, the point remains that the kids were getting the care immediately. The in public health investigation began immediately. The parents were informed immediately. And this is part of the reason why they have managed to contain the outbreak, even though there could have been potentially 1,300 kids and their siblings and family members all impacted by this. So I want to I make sure that, the, uh, that, that we continue to celebrate the incredible response of our frontline workers, which has been amazing, and that we celebrate the, uh, the, the action that the public health officials have taken in doing a very rigorous, thorough analysis and getting to the bottom of it. Uh, supplementary, and I, pre I appreciate your answer. I, I don't know if coming forward, A, people would have got mad at you coming forward, and B, I don't think it would have interfered with the work of the hospital, but that's just me. Um, second thing, is there a universe uh, solar system that you can imagine where that kitchen ever 
serves food to children in daycares again. I know you're waiting for the final investigation, but is there any world where we are not going to see the headline that that kitchen, if they were in fact the very, very likely people ever, forget about indefinitely, ever serves daycares again? All I can tell you is at the moment, the uh, judgment of the Chief Medical Officer of Health is that it is closed and that it is closed indefinitely. Thank you. Uh, we're now going to go over to the phones for some questions. We, only ha we might have time for one or two. Uh, operator, could you put through the first question, please? Tyler Dawson, National Post. Hey, thanks for taking my question. Um, just actually a numbers question, if that's all right. And, and that's how many kids have been in the hospital and how many have been on dialysis? Like, I, I know you said there were, uh, what was it, 12 in hospital today and, and six on dialysis. But over the course of this, how many kids have gone through hospital, come out, still in, and how many have gone on, come off dialysis? I'm just looking for those sort of top-line numbers. I'll ask Dr. Principe to speak to that. Thank you for that question. And I'm going to have to defer to our team to get those exact numbers for, for you. We've had the day-to-day, -day, and as those have fluctuated, um, we haven't looked back and gotten a cumulative sense of the total number. What we do know is the total number that have been impacted in hospital and being discharged er, in hospital is decreasing, and the number being discharged is increasing. And we're seeing very low numbers coming to emergency department with new symptoms. But we can look at the total who have actually been affected and required hospital admissions and get that out to the media. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, and thanks. Uh, you have a follow-up, Tyler? Yeah, and, and sorry if this is a, a dumb question or that people have asked before, but what? why wasn't this closed earlier? Like, obviously, there were these violations. They were cleaned up, re-inspected. Um, what, what does it actually take to close one of these facilities? Yeah, I think um, the, Dr. Joffe answered that by saying that all of the violations that were found in April were inspected and cleaned up immediately that the violations that were found on September 5th were new. And he also mentioned under the Public Health Act that there isn't authority granted to him to, to close a facility permanently. So that's why we need to look at the legislation and see if that is uh, missing in statutes. We'd have to do a bit of a review of whether public health acts in other jurisdictions do have some kind of uh, bar or line that if you have this many violations, that's it. You cannot get relicensed. I, I just, uh, at the moment, we haven't done that statutory review, but it is, uh, there at the moment, there doesn't appear to be authority uh, granted to anyone to make a permanent closure decision. Thank you, Tyler. We have time for one more question today. Uh, operator, could you put through our last caller, please? Hi, thanks for taking my question. This one's for Premier Smith. I want to go back to your announcement today of the one-time payment of $2,000 per child. This could set a sort of precedent, so I'm wondering how your government will address other illnesses at daycares like flu, RSV, and COVID when there are lax health and safety procedures in place. Well, I, I think with this in particular, I mean, we've just come off, for instance, a um, pretty serious fire season where people were disrupted. And we have a mechanism where when people have that kind of disruption, they can get a, 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 a compassionate payment of 1250 per person, and I think it's 500 per child. So that was the thinking behind here is that we know in this circumstance, really quite extraordinary that you've got 
a number of, of families who are still not able to have their children return. It's disrupting the, uh, the family uh, income, and we wanted to make sure that if there were additional financial pressures, that we could give a compassionate payment to assist them with that. That being said, we, we also believe that it's the, um, the, 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 it's the daycare operator's um, uh, obligation to make sure that they're delivering service and uh, are getting paid for service they deliver, and if they're not delivering service, that there is a, a refund. And so we would hope that that would occur as well. Uh, the, I, you know, this is unprecedented. I, I can't think of another circumstance where we have seen this many cases stemming from a single incident like this. And when extraordinary emergencies occur, we have the latitude to make these kinds of decisions. I, and so that would be uh, the, the uh, I, I hope this doesn't happen again. We're going to do everything we can to make sure it doesn't happen again. But that's the, the reason why we've taken the approach we have. And did you have a follow-up, Alana? I do, yes. I wanted to also touch on what you said earlier. You said you've directed a review into the regulations and standard standards around all central kitchens that serve child care centers. Can you provide more details on this review, like who's involved, how long you expect it to take, if there will be any likely recommendations into changes into the Public Health Act? Well, uh, a couple things. So uh, it's going to be led by Minister Cyril Turton out of his ministry, and uh, we, we're just we are getting started on that. We we have. Uh uh, I don't know if you have any more details about how many kitchens are in this circumstance, or are you just beginning your review? Just beginning. Your review. So he's just beginning the review, so we'll have more information as he goes along. The uh, the the, pu- the Public Health Act changes that we may make would uh, would not be coming this fall. We um, we're, we're very close to starting legislative session, and so whatever Public Health Act changes we get, I would hope we would get recommendations before the end of the year, so that we're in a position to be able to bring through any changes in the spring. Perfect. Thank you. And that'll conclude today's press conference. Thank you everyone for joining us. Mm